Chapter 18 If someone had told Draco Malfoy that he'd be sitting up in a bed in the Hogwarts hospital wing after saving a girl's life, he would have called them mad. If someone had told Draco Malfoy that he'd be sipping on a calming draught whilst being praised by Gryffindors for saving Ginny Weasley's life, he would have called them completely insane. If someone had told Draco Malfoy that he'd be pulled off his bed and into the tightest hug of his life by a crying Harry Potter who was thanking him for saving his girlfriend's life, he would have been straight on the flu to St Mungo's for them. Yet here he was, breaking away from the most awkward hug of his life, and there hadn't been many hugs at all for that matter, and staring into the red blotchy face of the Chosen One, Draco was almost knocked back down on his bed again by the boy in front of him, who offered his hand to shake. Without being able to form words, he simply took it and gave it one hard shake. Thank you, Malfoy, Harry hiccuped. I honestly never believed to mind you when she said you Slytherins had changed for the better, but I can see now I was wrong, and I'm sorry. Any time, was all Draco could manage to push out of his mouth, before flopping back onto his bed, watching as the raven-haired wizard rushed back over to his girlfriend's bedside. Weaslet looked awful. Much better than she had, but still awful. She had her wrists strapped with up with healing balm, her leg, which had been shattered on impact, was in a cast raised up on the pillow, whilst the skelegro took effect, and her face was swollen on one side, where her head had hit the ground. Thankfully not hard enough to do any lasting damage, thanks to Draco's quick thinking and cushioning charm he'd thrown down as a last thought. A loud bang came from the other end of the hospital wing, as Blaze and Pansy made their way past Madame Pomfrey and to Weasley's bedside. Blaze was thankful when he caught Draco's eye, and made his excuse to check on his friend after asking Weasley if she was all right. Anyone would think you cared about our little red-headed acquaintance, Draco mocked. Blaze shot him daggers from his eyes, not saying a word. All right, Draco flopped back on his bed. I know, not while Potter's in the room. Blaze tried to hide a laugh by coughing. Draco knew the conversation was over before it even started, so decided to broach another subject he'd been curious about. Where's Theo, anyway? Visibly easing, his friends replied. No idea. He didn't come back to the common room last night. I don't think he knows what's happened, to be honest. Granger must have caught the last bit of their conversation as she walked over. I've not seen him since the Gryffindor party. He left not long after Ginny did. She said he felt a little unwell and needed to get some sleep. Well, that excitement of losing, I guess, Draco quipped. That earned him a playful slap from Granger, which caused Blaze to raise his eyebrows and stand from his chair. I'll go and check the common room for him. He's probably still asleep. I wouldn't want to interrupt. He added the last comment as a whisper to Draco, pretending to give him a hug before leaving. Draco tried to hide his scowl as Blaze gave a chuckle and one last longing glance at the redhead before leaving the hospital wing. He suddenly felt a soft hand on top of his and had to greatly resist the urge to close his fingers around it and pull her into the bed with him. Thank you, Granger almost whispered. You've saved her life and I'm eternally grateful for you, Draco Malfoy. He didn't think he'd ever heard her say his first name before. She probably had at some point, but certainly never in his presence or directly to him. It sounded good. No, more than that. It sounded like the sweetest fucking melody he'd ever heard, and he knew he'd do anything to hear her say his name again. 
you're welcome, Granger. He managed. I do. He stopped himself from going any further. I'd do anything for you. What an idiotic thing is that to say to the girl who's dating your mate? It took almost a full week for Ginny to wake up from her injuries. Harry and Ron had never left her side, making excuses to be absent from their aura training for a couple of weeks. Hermione had insisted on joining them every second she could around her classes, bringing them meals from the Great Hall three times a day. She'd even been surprised to see Theo and Blaze there so often, bringing snacks and books for them at night. Draco hadn't made an appearance since he'd left the hospital wing four days ago. It wasn't that she was disappointed. Okay, she was disappointed that she hadn't been able to sit with him long, with her friends next to Ginny's bed. She was disappointed that she hadn't been able to thank him more for what he'd done. She was disappointed that she'd not made the effort to know him better over these past few months, other than one or two conversations, and find out what a genuinely good guy he was. She was disappointed in herself more than anything, for letting her mind drift to him so often when Theo was talking to her, or cuddling her, or kissing her. Ginny had woken up almost half an hour ago, and the trio had been trying to give her time to settle before asking her questions about what happened. The problem was, she genuinely didn't know what she'd been thinking. She didn't remember what had made her want to go up to the astronomy tower. She didn't remember thinking any negative thoughts. She didn't remember climbing over the railings and jumping. I just went to your room, she glanced at Hermione, borrowed some of your clothes and your hair clip. Her eyes suddenly went wired. Please don't be angry that I borrowed it. I, I know Theo gave it to you as a gift, but it was so pretty and... Ginny! Hermione grabbed her hand. It's fine, I honestly don't mind. Sighing, Ginny continued. I went down the stairs and into the Great Hall to wave goodbye to Luna before heading down to Hogsmeade to meet you. She turned to Harry. And that's the last thing I remember before waking up here. The trio stayed with Ginny, not pushing her with any more questions, until she said she had a headache and wanted to get some sleep. It doesn't make any sense, Hermione nodded to Harry as she held the portrait to the 8th year common room open for her. Tell me about it. Harry looked as though he was about to cry again. I know she's had her losses with the war, but I thought she was coping well. I thought she at least was a little bit happy. That's not what I mean, Harry. The three of them sat on the floor by their fireplace as she continued. Ginny has been happy. She's had a moment where she remembers something, especially when she sees that memorial in the hall with Fred's name on it, but that's not what doesn't make sense. The boys were looking at her in the usual confused state now, and it almost made her chuckle with how similar this was to just a few years ago when she would sit them in front of the fire to go over their essays for that week. What doesn't make sense is that when she was speaking right now, she wasn't speaking like she was planning on killing herself. Didn't you hear what she said? She looked expectantly at their bemused faces. She said, borrow. Still, nothing. Nobody who is going to kill themselves uses language like borrow. She was talking like she was planning on giving it back to me. She was talking like she planned on seeing us all again. Suddenly, the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle fell into place. You think she was under some kind of spell that made her do this? Ron gasped. Mine was actually a little more than surprised and impressed that he had managed to figure it out before Harry. She nodded. But by who? Harry was clenching his fists now, knuckles turning white. 
I don't know, Harry. I, I don't even know if I'm right, but something just doesn't sit right with me in this situation. Once Ginny had made a full recovery, the boys had left Hogwarts again, promising to pick both of the girls up at King's Cross when they returned for Christmas. Harry took extra care to make sure that Ginny knew she could contact him at any time, offering to take weekends off work to spend with her at the castle for the foreseeable future until she assured him it wasn't necessary. He'd reluctantly agreed before stepping through the flue back to London from McGonagall's office. Everything was back to normal, it seemed. Ginny was her usual wibbly self. Blaze was his usual quiet but charming self. Pansy insisted that they continued girls' nights on Thursdays with now painting and face masks. Draco continued to be polite to her, but still it felt awkward all the time. And Hermione continued to go on dates with Theo, who was attentive as always. That was until the end of November came round. Chapter 19 Despite multiple protests from Harry over the last four weeks, by the time November was drawing to a close, Ginny had managed to assure him sufficiently that she wasn't going to be making any trips to the Astronomy Tower for the foreseeable future and he didn't need to keep coming back every few days to make sure she was okay. Of course, she still made sure to make him promise to come back and visit at least once a month, when his training allowed him to, an owl at least twice a week, to which he readily agreed. Hermione felt like she had finally got herself into a routine at Hogwarts. She'd become more comfortable with Theo now they were officially a couple, yet she still wasn't sure if she was comfortable being completely intimate with him. She wasn't a prude, far from it. She liked to think of herself as a sexual being, and had on many occasions pleasured herself and dreamt of what it would be like for Theo to touch her in those most intimate of ways, and what it would feel like when he finally slid inside her deep. But after the war, after everything she had suffered through, intimacy was something that she couldn't quite translate from her brain into real-life actions. The movements of those intimate moments were too similar to movements that she dreaded and had nightmares about. The feel of Theo's calloused Quidditch hands sliding up her thighs felt too similar to the hands of Dolohov when he was teasing her as she cried in the basement of Malfoy Manor. The feel of Theo's hands squeezing gently at her throat whilst he kissed and went between her breasts felt too similar to the hands of Bellatrix Lestrange gripping at her neck, demanding to know what she had taken from her Gringotts vault. The pressure of Theo's hardness pressed up against her knickers as she leaned her back onto his bed felt too similar to the poke of Scabia's wand, the snatcher that had dragged her, Harry and Ron, to the manor, as he held her down on the floor whilst the boys were magically bound and whispered how much he'd like to ruin her before the Dark Lord had a chance to. She really liked Theo, but there was that feeling of disgust in herself every time she was touched by him that way, even when they were kissing, that made her mind flash back to those horrible memories and she couldn't do it anymore. Deep down, she knew that he was getting fed up, though. What 18-year-old boy, especially a Slytherin who'd had girls fawning over him since he hit puberty, would say with a girl who couldn't give him more than kisses and the odd fumble before she pushed him away? She shuddered at the thought. In her mind, there was only one thing to do. She'd have to give herself fully to Theo. She'd done it before with Ron, whilst they had been on the run. She was no virgin, so what was the issue? And she knew the perfect time to do it. They hadn't got a date planned for the following evening, but she knew that there was a party that was going on in the Ravenclaw common room. 
Lena had already invited her, but she had turned it down as Ravenclaw parties tended to be a bit boring, even by her standards, so hadn't yet told Theo. She had a simple four-step plan. One, dress in her sexiest, skimpiest outfit. Two, walk into the common room and grab Theo by the hand and tell him they were going to a party. Three, both get tipsy on fire whiskey. She would sneak in. Four, just kiss him and demand he take her back to his room to fuck her. Simple, no? Draco was lounging in the common room, enjoying the peace and quiet having skipped dinner that evening to work on his potions essay more. He loved potions, and despised the fact that Thea had practically taken over making their dear Somnium, claiming he had made it countless times with his nan. Draco had been a bit suspicious, but had shook it off quickly. He'd only met the elderly Thalia not a couple of times before, but she terrified him with her proclivity for brewing weird, wonderful, and often illegal potions in her basement. He'd heard his friends before he saw them, stowing his essay back in his bag as they bumbled into the common room, laughing heartily about something. Draco! Draco! Pansy shrieked through tears of laughter as she darted towards him. You have to hear what happened at dinner. I can't believe you missed it. Blaze coughed his laughter out as he sat by Draco, with Theo taking up the armchair across from them before realising that Pansy was looking at the green-eyed wizard expectantly. Theo had always been the best at telling stories, of course. Well, he sighed, looking at Draco. You know that spotty Hufflepuff, Scarlet Ball? Draco nodded. Well, she's been in love with that smarmy Ravenclaw that tried to trip you up at the start of the year for ages. Draco scowled. That Roberts? Rogers prick? Zachary Robbins, Blaze interjected. Yeah, him. Theo drew the attention back to himself. Well, turns out that he's not been in love with her, which he so loudly announced the entire Great Hall at dinner after she tried to sit next to him and put a hand on his cock. Turns out he's been fucking our very own Slytherin seventh-year brethren, Thacker Entwistle, of the ass since term started. Draco couldn't help but laugh. It was pretty funny. Not so much the notion that there was two boys fucking, or that the annoying Ravenclaw had been put in her place, but more how enraptured Theo and Pansy, ever the gossips, were about the whole situation. Laughter dying down as Theo inevitably took it too far, pretending to fuck the couch, screaming, Thatcher! And Draco started to pass around glasses of fireworks to the group, shoving Theo back down into his seat. He may not like that he was with Granger, or that he was being more of a prized twat than usual this year. But he was still his friend, and Salazar knows Draco couldn't lose any more of them. Calming himself, Theo asked the group what their plans were for the evening. Before Draco could respond, he noticed Pansy's eyes go wired. As she turned to Theo, I know what you'll be doing this evening, Mr Knott. Draco did not like the saucy tone she had used but instantly knew why when Granger stepped into their little group towards Theo. It was like a torrent of emotions hit him all at once, making him choke and splutter on his fire whiskey. Standing there, she looked nothing like her bookish self, or even the goddess she had looked like at Halloween. Granger looked sexy as hell in a very short dress, which hugged her in all the right places, flowing sleeves falling just the right length to cover her scar and a neckline that left very little to the imagination, all tied up with a bow like a present for him, no, for Theo, 
to unwrap. Salazar, why does she have to be in Slytherin green? The Granger had always had such an incredible ass. God, how I want to rip that dress off her and kiss her down to her. Granger took Theo's hand and guided him up off the sofa. He couldn't stop his eyes from roaming all over her body, or stop his draw from falling slack like a gaping fish. But his eyes told a different story. The story of a snake about to eat his prey. Granger took Theo's hand and guided him up off the sofa. He couldn't stop his eyes from roaming all over her body, or stop his jaw from falling slack like a gaping fish. But his eyes told a different story. The story of a snake about to eat his prey. He followed her out of the common room without a word from either of them, not taking his eyes off her even to glance back at his friends, leaving Pansy beaming with excitement and Draco trying to cough out the last few drops of fire whiskey caught in his lungs, while Blaze dramatically slapped him on the back over and over. Finally finding his voice and managing to tear his eyes away from her breasts, Theo asked, Where are we going, princess? To Ravenclaw, for a party. Ravenclaw? Theo looked bemused, but continued to allow himself to be led down the corridor by her, I didn't even know they knew how to spell party. She giggled, reaching for her hand to her bra and pulling out a silver flask. I came prepared. Theo squeezed her hands, smirking before they were welcomed into the Ravenclaw common room. I knew there was a reason I liked you. The party was in full swing when they entered, which by Ravenclaw standards meant that there was a group of people in a large circle, all discussing the same book while sipping wine Another smaller group of conservative dressed seventh years messing around with a gramophone, playing basic wizard pop music quietly, and a small table with bottles of low alcohol elf wine and fruit snacks. Hermione! Luna's lofty voice chimed through the common room like a distant echo. She was wearing her school uniform still, but had charmed the bronze in her tie to twinkle. The wine she was carrying almost looked like it was glittering. I'm so glad you're here. You almost missed the start of the book quiz. I thought you said this was a party, Thea whispered teasingly in her ear. Hermione managed to whisper back before Luna reached them. So it's a crap party. Honestly, I just wanted an excuse to get all dressed up for you. She noticed the darkening in Theo's eyes. Jove turning to desire at her comment, and his eyes followed her as Luna dragged her across the room to a larger circle in the centre. He looked at her like that for the next half an hour. She sipped her flask to gain courage, and he sat on the other side of the room, laughing and joking with a group of nervous six-year Ravenclaws, who were a little bit taken aback by a snake being in their common room, until she couldn't hold herself back any more. She stalked over to him, leaving the quiz without a word, stumbling slightly in her tipsy state, but not taking her eyes off him. He did the same, stalking towards her, pushing through the group he was talking to mid-sentence. They met in the middle of the common room and instantly crashed their lips together. All other people were forgotten to Hermione. She didn't know if it was the way he'd been looking at her, or the way that the fire whiskey had burned through her veins, lowering her inhibitions, but she felt on fire from his kisses. There was still that tiny voice in the back of her head trying to drag out the horrible memories, but the alcohol had dulled them enough that she could focus on Theo and nothing else. His lips were soft, yet forceful, grabbing at every opportunity to taste every part of her. She felt his hands lowering on her back and flinched slightly when she thought he was going to grope her in front of a room full of people, 
but he carried on down briskly to the tops of her thighs and lifted her up against his chest, making her squeak. She couldn't remember a time when she'd ever involuntarily squeaked before. He broke the kiss, causing Hermione to lose all sense of how to hold her head up as she let it flop against his shoulder, wrapping her legs around his waist for stability, to shout a quick, Later, Claws! Don't hurt your brains and all those books! before carrying her out of the Ravenclaw Tower and back to their own common room. He didn't stop peppering kisses over her cheeks, nose and forehead the whole way back, but when he stalked them through to their own common room, despite the whistles and shouts from their peers in the background, until he had her in his room, door locked and silencing charms cast. Are you sure about this? he asked in a whisper. She nodded, ripping a feral growl from Theo's throat as he tossed her down on the bed. She expected him to crawl on top of her and continue kissing her lips, but as his mouth seemed to have been different ideas, as he dropped to his knees at the foot of the bed, yanking her gently towards him until the backs of her upper thighs were level with the edge of the bed, legs spread. She felt a blush creep up her cheeks, a mixture of alcohol and nerves, as Theo slowly took off her heels and took her ankle in his hand, kissing all around her foot before moving to the other one. This was something she hadn't experienced before, and it was a little strange at first, but the more his soft touches and even softer kisses teased her skin, the more she enjoyed it. He moved painfully slowly with his hands and kisses up her legs, to her calves, her knees, and finally to her thighs, which is where he started to put more pressure and knead into his ministrations. As he moved higher up, teasing the rim of her knickers with his hot breath, she felt a tingle go through her body her arms involuntarily moving to grab his hair. Taking this as a sign to go forward, his fingers were suddenly inside her knickers, pulling them sideways, stroking incredibly slow up and down her folds. She let out a gasp at the feeling. Ron had done this before to her, but he was much more clumsy and had tried to plough straight inside her with two fingers, causing her tight cunt to clamp around him in pain. Thea was much slower, gathering up her free-flowing juices onto two of his fingers before moving up to gently circle her sensitive bunch of nerves. She couldn't hold back the sharp gasp when he touched her there, causing him to look up into her eyes in concern. Seeing nothing but desire in them and the small smirk on her lips, he simply winked back at her and turned his gaze back to her folds. You are so beautiful, my princess, he moaned quietly against her skin causing the shiver to run through her entire body. Before she could respond, though with what she didn't know what, and she was far from being capable of making words in her current situation, his fingers were back in her folds, teasing her entrance as his mouth crashed down on her clit and he started sucking. It was unlike anything she had ever felt before. The pleasure was beyond anything she could imagine. Every nerve in her body felt like it was on fire at his touch, started to make more moves, drawing his name out. T. H. E. O. D. O. R. E. Over her clit, his fingers now making their way in and out of her tight cunt in slow pumps. He just about made it to the second letter of his surname. N. O. When she felt a wave of pleasure crashing over her, screaming out her orgasm. 
He continued to finish spelling his name on her clit as she jerked and bucked her hips. Slowly pulling his fingers out of her, she came down from her ecstasy, breathing hard. That, he chuckled as he licked his lips and crawled up her body, pushing her dress up further as he went. It was hot. She smiled at him, still trying to catch her breath, before leaning up to kiss him. He tasted different, like her, but she wasn't bothered by it after what this man had showed he could do with this beautiful mouth. He caught her gaze up as he pulled away from the kiss, his fingers slowly tugging at the waistband of her knickers, a question of permission to continue to the most intimate act. I want to give you everything, she whispered. Within seconds, his whole demeanour had changed. He was like a feral animal, tearing her knickers off her waist, growling into her ear, yanking his own trousers off, letting his long, thin cock spring free. Chancing a glance down, she noticed he was thinner than Ron, but a little longer. She pulled herself away from thoughts of Ron, running her hands down his chest to reach for the hem of his shirt, pulling it up and over his head, taking in his defined Quidditch muscles all over again. She really did have a thing for tall, muscly boys. She closed her eyes as Theo started to kiss down her neck, shaking the last leg out of his trousers and letting them fall to the floor. I can do this. I'm safe. His kisses got lower, and he took one of her nipples in between his lips and sucked, his hand replacing his mouth on her throat. I can do this. I'm safe. His hand tightened on her throat as he pumped himself once, twice, three times in preparation for her. I can do this. I am safe. I think. He looked into her eyes, his usual sparkling emeralds, now a murky shade just like the black lake, as he lined himself up with her entrance, stroking his cock up and down her folds a few times to spread her wetness over himself. I can't do this. I don't feel safe. Hermione reacted quickly, the feel of Theo's cock pushed up against her most private place, spiralling her brain into a freefall of nightmares, and she scrambled back up the bed, clamping her legs together. Tears were already starting to prickle in the corners of her eyes. I... I'm sorry, Theo, she stammered, pulling her dress down to cover herself, almost tearing it in her panic. I, I can't. It's fine, princess. His words were sweet, but she could see the anger in his eyes, and in the visible pulsing of his temple, his fists clenched and unclenched a few times by his side before he turned from her and yanked his trousers back on. When they were fastened again, and without even looking at her, he demanded that she leave his room, an order that she quickly obliged with. All he said to her before practically slamming the door in her face was, I'm not angry with you, I just need a few days. Mm-hmm.